Hold on to your hats, there's a big wind. Weather whips up the Christie Mountain fire near Penticton. The plan to protect the city. Uh, we'll be doing tactical patrols uh, through the communities with engines. As residents watch and wait. Pandemic penalties. If you're hosting a large penthouse party, organizing a street gathering, or drum circle on the beach, we will be watching. New fines for those flouting the rules. How they'll be enforced. And game day warning. We will have officers um, that are in the area. A caution from RCMP as the Canucks try to advance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Another day of rising COVID-19 numbers and now increasing consequences for people who aren't following public safety rules. Those attending or hosting large gatherings, whether in public or at private properties, can now face stiff fines. But as Jordan Armstrong reports tonight, critics wonder if this will solve the problem. If you're hosting a large penthouse party, organizing a street gathering, or drum circle on the beach, we will be watching. The BC government is beating a new drum, one of enforcement and fines to curb scenes like this. If you're uh, ignorant enough and stupid enough uh, to encourage people to attend an event and not to follow uh, provincial health officer orders, uh, then you're setting yourself up for a fine. A $2,000 fine to owners, organizers, venues and promoters flouting the rules. A $200 ticket to partiers themselves who ignore instructions from police or enforcement staff to leave. But wait, there's more. And $200 violation tickets for those refusing to follow the safe operating plans of businesses or anyone who engages in bullying or abusive behavior towards employees. Many of the videos depicting scofflaws have been shot at outdoor gatherings. But the public safety minister notes the risk of COVID-19 transmission is highest indoors. And much of the enforcement will focus on large parties in private homes. He says in general, police and bylaw officers already know where those problem properties are. Neighbours can help too, though, by calling the bylaw department, the police non-emergency line, or in Vancouver, 311. There will be an increased presence tonight, as there usually is on every weekend. But yes, we are fully aware that there is an important Canuck game and, and our officers will be out there. Criminal defence lawyer Sarah Lehman wonders if the fines are steep enough to be a deterrent. I think for some people it may, but for others it may not. And there might be still people out there who feel as though it is the cost of doing business. Both she and the public safety minister point out that criminal charges are possible in extreme cases. The enforcement won't just be up to police, staff from other ministries, including liquor inspectors and conservation officers, can also write tickets. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. And the crackdown comes as BC sees another surge in COVID-19 case numbers. 90 new cases of the virus have been confirmed in the past 24 hours, bringing our total number of cases to 4,915. There have been two more deaths, one of them in long-term care. 13 people are in hospital, five of them in the ICU. 3,889 people confirmed to have had the virus have now recovered. There are 824 active cases and two 
594 British Columbians currently in self-isolation. Well, 824 is the highest active case number we have seen in months. And where these cases are located has shifted since the beginning of the summer. Let's bring in Keith Baldry now with more on the geography of our pandemic. And it's shifting a bit, Keith. It certainly is. So it's been fascinating to watch how the virus has moved around B.C. since the pandemic began. It started out with big numbers in North Vancouver, then Vancouver Coastal. And then for months, it was really active in Fraser Health Authority. And just a couple of weeks ago, there was only 41 active cases in Vancouver Coastal. Take a look at the numbers now of the 824 active cases. You can see suddenly a surge in Vancouver Coastal now ties Fraser Health for the most uh, cases by far over the other health authorities. So, again, this is becoming apparent. The pandemic in BC is almost totally focused on the Metro Vancouver, evenly divided between Vancouver Coastal and Fraser Health. It simply is not in existence in any great numbers in other health authorities. The one exception a few weeks ago in, in the interior health, of course, we had those events, those exposure events in Kelowna that saw ca uh, active cases hit more than 80, but they've gone now down to 17. So you can see the geographical breakdown, very much a trend that Vancouver Coastal now seeing a surge of cases. Now, what's going to happen to that number in the days and months ahead. It's likely going to increase in number in terms of active cases, but then it's more than likely to decline in big numbers because we're seeing big numbers posted every day. The vast majority of those people are going to recover, and that's going to drive the recovery rates up, and that'll drive the active cases down. But Vancouver Coastal may be leading uh, Fraser Health Authority in terms of active cases going forward. All right, thanks for that, Keith. Now to the Christie Mountain wildfire, and today the firefight has turned into a tense waiting game for residents near Penticton. Their focus is on the weather, particularly the wind gusts that have been sweeping through the South Okanagan today, with fears that they will only make a bad situation worse. Erin MacArthur joins us live now from uh, outside of Penticton. What's the situation now, Erin? Yeah, Sophie, it was a tense day here. You could feel it in the air. Fire crews were staged and ready for whatever came. People on evacuation alert were packed and ready for whatever came. And then people just stood back and waited for Mother Nature. Packed up and ready to go. Get truck and trailer and truck and camper and get everything down the hill. And from there, we've got lots of friends who we're going to obviously disperse out to. Since Tuesday, people in the evacuation alert zone have been watching the fire move away from them. Friday, it turned, and the concern grew. Other wind is for sure a concern. Uh, I hope it's going to get a little better. We've got our sprinkler systems, but I don't know how much good they're going to do, but um, we're just crossing our fingers. The concern warranted. Strong winds pushed smoke and flames north towards the east part of Penticton. Crews began staging laying wet lines and running sprinklers to raise the humidity. 110 firefighters from across BC are here, dedicated to protecting homes. If the fire pushes past a certain trigger point, the Upper Wiltsey neighborhood will be among the first to be evacuated. We feel that we've given enough time, uh, upwards of four hours, to do the evacuation. Uh, based on the growth of the fire potential. According to the wildfire service, the Christie Mountain fire didn't really do much of anything overnight. But by Friday afternoon, the winds pushed the flames farther into canyons east of Penticton. The fight predominantly through the air. Fire can be unpredictable just like weather can be unpredictable. So um, I think in a few more days we'll probably have a little bit better idea. 
this evening should bring calmer conditions. A chance for crews to assess the situation and regroup. The feeling in Penticton, if the winds do ease, one of relief. When the wind pushes it in a certain way and it starts crowning, uh, anything's possible, but we haven't seen that yet. As you said, uh, Aaron, a nerve-wracking day for the thousands of people who might have to leave their home at a moment's notice. What have they been telling you today? Yeah, really anxious times today. People not sure what was going to happen. I can say that the wind that was really heavy today during the afternoon has died off almost completely. The storm has passed through. We get a little bit of rain about 4.35 o'clock. All the fire crews that were staged here uh, on Evergreen Drive, they packed it up about five minutes ago and, and went home. They've left all the sprinklers and stuff in place, but no need to stage here anymore. And, and people who were, who were here watching it all are actually having a bit of a yard party with a cold drink in their hand because I think the tension just lifted off of everyone's shoulders that that, that wind event seems to not have mattered. So now the fire is still out of control though, right? So everyone's going to keep an eye on that and make sure that it doesn't double back on itself. Sophie. Yeah, nice to have a, at least a little bit of relief. Aaron, thanks for that. Aaron yeah. MacArthur in Penticton. Let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon now. So we saw those heavy winds earlier today. Uh, they've died down, as Aaron said, Christy. But what, what does it look like going forward? Well, we've got good news going forward, Sophie. They are going to continue to die down. Still could see some gusts this evening, but generally the flow should be out of the north, pushing that fire away from the Penticton area. And then as we head through the overnight period and through the day tomorrow, that trend in terms of calming trend will continue. We aren't expecting necessarily calm winds completely, but very very low is or light as you can see here and continuing generally out of the north for that area. So good news for that region tomorrow. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. Another large wildfire is raging in the East Kootenai. The Dr. Creek wildfire is estimated to be 3000 hectares and burning north of Kimberley and southwest of Canal Flats. It was sparked Tuesday by lightning and some properties are under an evacuation order. At this time, no homes or buildings have been damaged, but concern is growing over what this weekend could bring weather wise. We sure are. So going into the weekend, we are expecting the, the weather to continue to be quite dry. However, we are expecting some cooler temperatures, so we're hoping that that will help with the firefight. Surrey RCMP are investigating a brawl that sent two men to hospital with serious injuries. A warning, the footage may be disturbing to some viewers. Video circulated on social media shows two people lying near 96th Avenue and 190th Street. Surrey RCMP are aware of the footage and confirm it's connected to this incident. Police say just after 8.30 last night, officers were called to a report of a fight involving a group of about a dozen people. Two men were rushed to hospital one of them in critical condition, the other in serious condition. Police are looking to speak with any witnesses. One of the lines of inquiry we have is to figure out, you know, what if any relationship these individuals had amongst themselves in this group of about a dozen people that was uh, reported to be fighting. Uh, we do have the two people that are injured, so, uh, you know, we have no confirmation at this time whether or not there is any associated uh, gang activity or related to drug trafficking or any other associated group, but that is one of the things that we're going to work to determine. 
The OPCC public hearing into the actions of two Vancouver police officers in a 2016 incident heard today from another officer who arrived on the scene as backup. In March of that year, two constables were dispatched to a wellness check, but moments after arriving at the home were involved in a brawl with the people inside. Ramina Dea reports and a warning. Some of the images in this story may be disturbing. The situation exploded, VPD Detective Constable Scott Farrell told the hearing. Farrell described in detail how Constable Eric Ludeman and the complainant Vladimir Chaikun had each other by the shirts like a hockey fight. Yeah, it was a violent sort of um, like a hockey jersey, like when they rapidly pull each other back and forth. Um, it was that attempt that I appeared to see. Fair to describe this whole situation as chaotic? You know, in my 15 years, I don't know if I've ever seen something that quickly go out of control. Farrell testified he kicked Chai Kun as hard as he could in the chest and thighs, saying Chai Kun was non-compliant. Ludeman and Constable Neil Logan, two sizable officers, appeared spent, said Farrell. Chai Kun, an engineer who was 60 years old at the time, was beaten and bruised from head to toe, literally. And this kind of action should be uh, not allowed. Logan and Ludeman will testify next week. On Thursday, Logan's counsel told the hearing his client wanted to appear by video, not in person, citing COVID concerns because of a medical condition not made public in the hearing. Less than 24 hours later, an about face. Counsel now saying Logan will attend voluntarily on Tuesday. In a concerning development, for the first time ever, large screens were erected in the lobby to block the media's view. The OPCC has assured us it did not ask for the screens, and in its view, the hearing is public, and the media should have reasonable access. Vancouver police have also made it clear it is unaware of anyone asking for screens. We're still waiting to talk to the property manager who has not responded to our inquiries. Romina Dea, Global News. BCRCMP dive team is making a plea for people to be careful, saying they're tired of responding to preventable tragedies. The underwater recovery team says every summer, members are called out to find the bodies of people who have lost their lives on the water. This year, the team has also responded to a number of drownings in remote wilderness locations as COVID-related closures have driven people further afield. The team also says members have responded to a number of calls involving people who aren't familiar with BC's waters. It has been a tough year for businesses in BC's capital city. On top of COVID-19, break-ins are way up almost double the number of last year. Some are pointing the finger at City Hall, but not exactly for the reason you might think. That's coming up. Just one of so many apocalyptic scenes in California as wildfires continue to rage out of control. The latest on the devastation still to come. Plus, without Joe Biden, I wouldn't be talking to you today. The 13-year-old boy, some say, stole the show at the Democratic National Convention. That's later. For those who are not wearing face masks on transit, I would like to say that please do it.
wearing masks. Social media bhangra sensation Gurdip Pander busting a move to encourage people to wear masks on transit. Pander has been dancing his way throughout BC to help spread positivity during the pandemic. His latest video promotes wearing a face covering while on buses and the SkyTrain. And that video is very timely as starting Monday, masks will be mandatory on transit. TransLink has been offering up free masks to riders at Surrey Central Station today. The mandatory mask rule applies to every TransLink vehicle, including the C-Bus and Handy Darts. It also reaches across the province with BC Transit and other transportation agencies also adopting the new policy. For lower mainland riders, it's expected reminders will be in place this weekend to ensure that everyone knows of the changes. 8,000 pieces of signage, which is going to be going up over the weekend to inform people that they need a mask or face covering. We've emailed 600,000 compass card holders already, letting them know that the policy change is coming into effect. Uh, and we've been running the printer at the sign shop for 75 hours straight. Vancouver Coastal Health is turning to TikTok to get its COVID-19 message across to young people. The health authority is using the popular social media app to raise more awareness. Videos include reminders of what the symptoms of COVID-19 are and what people should avoid during the times of COVID, such as large gatherings and sharing food. Still to come, beating a heroin addiction with cannabis. I'm still clean. I have not used ever. I've never looked back. The new research that shows marijuana may indeed be a gateway drug to overcoming addiction. Just cleared moments ago, Highway 1 westbound had a crash west of Gallardi causing major backups and even a visual distraction for eastbound travelers. Now it's clear things to be, seem to be moving back to normal here. Kermac Collision and Autoglass have been family run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quali quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. High above Highway 1, I'm Tim Main. Since Victoria City Council decided to allow 24-7 camping for the homeless downtown, there has been a significant spike in property crime in the city's core. Now facing pleas from business owners and Victoria Police, Mayor Lisa Help says council will consider a crackdown on the growing encampments. Brad McLeod reports. Downtown Victoria businesses asking for a break. Even prior to COVID, we had seen an increase in, in break and enters, uh, shoplifting. But it's only getting worse. Victoria Police releasing stats for downtown. Vehicle theft, robberies, weapons offenses all up. And break and enters way up. That broken window, that $1,000 deductible, that can make or break a business these days. And many businesses are frustrated. Police responses are too slow. And if a shop is robbed but doesn't have surveillance, there are often very little consequences. Downtown businesses have been hit hard. Victoria Police says they are also frustrated they can't do more for entrepreneurs, saying they are spread thin with increasing calls to the encampments at Beacon Hill Park and the already overburdened community of Burnside Gorge now with multiple hotels turned homeless shelters. We only have so many officers on a shift at one time and we have to put life and limb above property. Many feel this is the source of the issues downtown. 
the homeless encampment allowed by the city in Centennial Square, right outside City Hall. The mayor of Victoria now acknowledging the encampment downtown is not working for anyone. The people who are living there are preyed upon by others, and some of those others are also causing havoc in the downtown. Vic PD urging business owners not to lose faith. As frustrated as they may be, which is understandable, that they continue to report crime to us. As for how City Council could deal with the encampment downtown, the mayor says it may include bylaw changes that prohibit camping in the central business district and likely means more people moving into the parks. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. It was a must-see moment from the Democratic National Convention. Joe Biden made me more confident about something that's bothered me my whole life. A teenage boy's special bond with the presidential nominee just ahead. Plus, Lori Loughlin faces her punishment in the U.S. college admissions scandal. Eastbound Barnett Highway in Coquitlam in the process of clearing a crash at Mariner Way. Mariner Way was blocked off northbound, but now the on-ramp open. Uh, traffic still having to squeeze into the left lane, left lane eastbound on Barnett to get a uh, westbound looking good. Time to renew your home insurance. Switch to BCAA for local knowledge, customized coverage, and valuable ways to save. Visit BCAA.com. High above Coquitlam and Global One, I'm Tim Maine. An apocalyptic scene in California as a driver made his way through the Hennessy fire. Flames burning on either side of the street, trees dangling over the road up in flames. Heavy smoke made for poor visibility with fire and ash also hitting the windshield. This particular fire, which was sparked by lightning earlier this week, has burned an area 100 times the size of Stanley Park and is currently 0% contained. And that fire is just one of several raging in the northern part of the state. It's bound to be a long weekend for the hundreds of crew members desperately trying to prevent the flames from reaching more homes. Tonight, as flames devour neighborhoods and incinerate farmlands, bone-tired firefighters turn to the sky for help. The attack from above is crucial because the terrain is like a minefield. Gas tanks rage out of control like blowtorches. Electric poles scorched. Crews fighting fire with fire, trying to choke off the spread with controlled burns. Desperate measures to stop the inferno from reaching more homes. We left and this is what we came home to today. At least six people have already died in an all-out battle against the blaze. In just the last week, fires have scorched through more than 70,000 acres, surpassing the state's average loss for an entire year. Fires across the Bay Area rage on with minimal containment. What we can say is that we can't save everything. More than 500 structures reduced to ash, more than 100,000 evacuated. You could hear this swirling or swishing of air and just going crazy and explosions going off. Blankets of thick smoke now smother the region. The fire ain't going to kill you. It's going to be the smoke that it's in the valley. As the Shia fire continues its unpredictable spread, the only certainty is more destruction. 
Firefighters say they're trying to save as many houses as they can, but they are stretched thin, with some of them working more than 72 hours. But relief is on the way, with crews coming from 10 states, including as far away as Canada and in some cases from Australia. Four people are missing after an explosion and fire at a Texas refinery. Drone video shows the huge fire and thick black smoke billowing into the air. The blast happened this morning. It sent several people into the nearby water. Four were rescued and are being treated in hospital, but Coast Guard crews are still searching for four others. The explosion happened after a dredging barge struck a submerged natural gas pipeline. Well, Joe Biden is officially the Democratic presidential candidate after formally accepting the party's nomination. I accept this nomination for president of the United States of America. The former vice president wrapping up the Democratic National Convention with a speech calling this election the battle for the soul of the nation. Biden's nomination sets up what should be a heated election campaign between himself and U.S. President Donald Trump. Biden using a speech last night to take several jabs at the president without ever mentioning Trump's name. Our current president has failed in his most basic duty to the nation. He's failed to protect us. He's failed to protect America. And my fellow Americans, that is unforgivable. As president, I'll make you a promise. I'll protect America. I will defend us from every attack, seen and unseen always, without exception, every time. Among the many political speeches last night, the words of a 13-year-old boy are what many people are still talking about. He shared his story about meeting Joe Biden and discussing his struggles with stuttering. And without Joe Biden... His bedroom turned into a national stage. Braden Harrington talked about first meeting Joe Biden earlier this year. He told me that we were members of the same club. We, we stutter. Last night, the New Hampshire teen opened himself and opened all of our eyes to a challenge faced by millions of Americans. I'm just a regular kid. And in a short amount of time, Joe Biden made me more confident about something that's bothered me my whole life. Can you help us understand what, what's it like to be a kid who stutters? Sometimes people um, think that it's a, a funny thing to mock me. And it's just, I, I know I can power through it. He summoned plenty of courage for his DNC moment, showing reading tools he says Biden shared with him. But it was hard. Sometimes it's hard to breathe, like my... My lungs tighten. Sometimes I can't, like, take that extra breath. His message, not just on behalf of a candidate, but also kids like himself. I've heard a bunch of comments on Twitter, and that just made me feel really nice about how I made that address and how that's impacted a bunch of children's lives. His dad swelling with pride. Braden has never let stuttering get in his way of... Um, living life, he's always made it a point to talk to who he wants to and, and uh, say what's on his mind. Braden says he thinks he wants to become a therapist someday. But at 13, it looks like he has already found the words to change and inspire. 
Full House actor Lori Loughlin has been sentenced for her role in the college admissions scandal. A federal judge has sentenced Loughlin to two months in prison and her fashion designer husband Massimo Giannulli to five months in jail for paying half a million dollars in bribes to get their two daughters into the University of Southern California as rowing recruits. The judge said prison was necessary to send a message that everyone, no matter your status, is accountable in our justice system. The couple's sentencing comes three months after they reversed course and admitted to participating in the college admis admissions cheating scheme. They're among 30 prominent parents who, ple who pleaded guilty in the case, including Vancouver's David Sidhu. A former illicit drug user is sharing her story tonight of her recovery. The young mother is crediting cannabis with helping her quit heroin and meth. And she's not alone. New research suggests many have found cannabis use as a helpful tool in harm reduction. Linda Aylesworth has more. It's his birthday. Take him over to help you. Bright, vivacious, adorable. Four-year-old Reina is all that and more. This kid totally saved my life and turned my life around. Like, I, I, I owe her the world for that. That's because before Raina came along, Scarlett was in an abusive relationship and addicted to heroin and meth. I was homeless and living in a tent, and I found out I was pregnant, and it's like, oh my God, like, what do I do? I can't, like, take a kid into this situation. With the support of her mother, Scarlett found help, which included the use of cannabis. It helped with the cravings and stuff. It helped keep me together. It helped me function, like get where I need to be and where I am today, basically. Where she is today is clean, as is her mother, who also used cannabis to beat a heroin addiction 30 years ago. She calls it her exit ramp drug. You know, every time I said exit ramp, people laughed at me and, you know, said not to gateway. They're not laughing anymore. At least UBC cannabis researcher MJ Malloy isn't. We have evidence to suggest in our population that cannabis, far from being a gateway to harder drug use, might in fact be an exit strategy for harder drug use. The findings of his study involving 2,500 injection drug users who were interviewed twice a year for 13 years were recently published. We found that people who were using cannabis at least once a day were 24% more likely to stop injecting drugs during the same period of time. Dr. Malloy's research has been made a lot easier since cannabis was legalized. His work is just getting started. You know, I think what's exciting uh, is that we are many years into an overdose crisis. Uh, clearly, we need more tools to save the lives of our friends and neighbors. Uh, and I'm hoping cannabis might be one of those tools. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, the Canucks have definitely been something to celebrate so far in these playoffs. <laughs> But the RCMP have a warning for fans tonight. That's still to come. Plus, strangers in space. The mysterious lights spotted from the International Space Station. I'm Squire Barnes. Burnaby Hospital has been serving our community for nearly 70 years. But it's time for an upgrade. Support their transformation to a world-class facility to meet growing health care needs for generations to come. Proudly supported by Global BC. A ripple in Okanagan Lake makes waves with Ogopogo believers. We'll have more for you right after Christie's forecast. <laughs> oh, we have UFOs coming up too, Christy. Oh, great. Wait for it. <laughs> awesome. 
Uh, Sophie, this is a tower cam from Kelowna looking south towards Penticton. I'm using this one. There's one in Penticton, a tower cam there, but it's not looking towards the fire. And this uh, gives you an idea of what they're dealing with right now when we look down the valley towards that area. So certainly an improvement. It was very smoky just not too long ago and cloudy and uh, rather rainy as well. So unlimited visibility, humidity at 65. We're seeing a north wind, which is what we want. We want to push that fire away from the Penticton area, and it certainly has calmed down. 23 degrees. The high today was 30, which is uh, fairly hot, but not too bad. And we have some moisture off in the distance as it makes its way towards the uh, Penticton area, though it's expected to dissipate, but they may see a few droplets here and there. So certainly some good news there uh, this evening. Across the south coast, we still do have a risk of showers. Uh, those showers can be heavy at times, along with the risk of thunderstorms. You can see a few lightning strikes certainly here and there. Uh, we still have a special weather statement issued for Metro Vancouver because these pulses of rain could be so intense. So we'll see those likely overnight, but they will ease by morning. And we have a number of thunderstorms. Boy, look at all the lightning strikes in through the BC Peace River area south. That's where we have a warning in place. The areas in yellow are where we have a watch, meaning that we still could see some severe thunderstorms in those areas in yellow. But certainly action-packed through that region. I wanted to show you the fire danger rating. Not too bad in that area, so hopefully no more fires will be ignited in that area. Southeastern BC and that far southern sections though still under high to extreme and we are expecting the moisture to ease off tomorrow so a dry day on the way for tomorrow but the good news is over the next several days temperatures are likely going to remain seasonal so that is good news when it comes to the fire situation so there's your Saturday forecast everyone mostly drying through the south but near seasonal values a few showers in through the Columbia area and for our region we certainly will see some cloud cover here and there tomorrow and again on Sunday but overall pretty nice five-day forecast and here's a look at your central windows weather window looking out from Ogden Point in Victoria. Thank you to Trent for that one. All right. Thanks, Christy. New video that has surfaced is raising the specter of the return of an Okanagan Lake legend. Harpal Dillon of Vernon took video from her sun deck last Sunday showing what some might say is a serpent like creature swimming just off her dock through Okanagan Lake. I was thinking it's something big fish or something, you know, like big, could be a gopagas, you never know, it's the same thing. It's there is a chance that there is something in large bodies of water that we might not be aware of, whether it, you know, fits the description of what many people say lake monsters are, you know, massive serpent-like things. The kid in me wants to say yes, but the realist in me wants to say no, and I'm kind of somewhere in between. Now, this is not the first supposed sighting caught on tape. Others have come forward. We do a story each time. They also claim to have spotted the legendary Ogopogo. And a strange sight from the International Space Station. Russian cosmonaut Ivan Wagner tweeted out this time-lapse video of the Aurora Borealis, but he also pointed out five unidentified objects flying in what appears to be an organized formation. Wagner called them space guests and says the footage is being examined by experts at the Russian Space Research Institute. Hmm. Or, or just a few lights. Like <laughs> just a passing plane in space right. or something. I would love to believe it. But I always wonder why would some smart beings travel 100 million light years and not even say hi? Right. Just drive right by. 
Unless I guess they have somewhere better to go. They're this planet is boring. Let's go somewhere else. They're late. They've got an appointment to get <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, we got to go to this. We got to go another hundred light years. We have no time to stop yeah, and we'll, talk to these we'll, people. We'll say hi on the way back. Yeah. That's what they're <laughs> thinking. All right, big game tonight. Yes, and uh, can the Vancouver Canucks, especially their young players, overcome both the Blues and the Butterflies in Game Six? You know, it's one thing to be nervous, but you still want a team that's confident in themselves individually and as a group. If the Canucks win, it'll be the first time they've won a playoff series in nine years. That's hard to believe. And later, just one of the reasons we love Fridays, satellite debris still to come. All right, just before we get to Squire, a long-standing tradition is causing concern for Surrey RCMP. For years, hockey fans have celebrated at the corner of Scott Road and 72nd on the Surrey Delta border. But during tonight's Canucks game, RCMP are asking those celebrations to be dialed back. <laughs> Due to concerns about the spread of COVID-19, the large gatherings are only getting bigger as the Canucks advance in the playoffs. Tonight, bylaw officers and police have been given additional powers to issue fines of up to $2,000. Although they'd rather not enforce those rules and instead people are encouraged to do the right thing and follow health guidelines. We're asking people to maintain their physical distancing, score that, uh, you know, hat trick of safety by washing your hands, wearing a mask if you can't keep that so, you know, physical distance, and please do keep six feet apart from one another. A hat trick a of hat safety. A hat trick of safety. I've never heard that before. <laughs> well you know done. what? Bring a hockey stick, mm-hmm. put it out there, yes. and stand the distance of the stick exactly. away from each other. And make sure it's Tyler Meyer's stick, because he's huge, so you can really far apart. Hopefully we'll have something to celebrate tonight. You never know. The Canucks are only one win from kicking St. Louis out of the bubble. However, if they don't win tonight and the Blues win, then Game 7 would be Sunday. Now, we don't know, of course, who will win tonight, but we do know that whoever wins this series will be playing Vegas in round number two. And there is talk, it's not official, that that series could start as early as Sunday if Vancouver wins tonight. Okay, Flyers and Habs, Montreal trying to stay alive, forcing a Game 7 in their series, but Philadelphia gets two quick goals early. The second by Kevin Hayes. It actually goes in off a of Montreal Canadian. So it's 2-0, five minutes in. Montreal does get one back, though. They didn't have the comeback that Dallas had last night against Calgary, but they get one back here. Nick Suzuki jamming it through Carter Hart. So it's 2-1 Philadelphia after one. Then another lucky goal by the Flyers. Travis Sanheim shot pretty much hits everybody and eventually finds its way in the back of the net. Three goals and only seven shots for Philadelphia. Jonathan Drouin sets up Nick Suzuki, his second of the game. He's a good young player. 3-2 after two. Chance here. Thomas Tatar, nope, the save by Carter Hart with the stick, the top of the stick. And the Flyers hold off Montreal, so the Habs are now out. Philadelphia wins that series four games to do. They'll take on the Islanders in round number two. Well, can the Whitecaps do any better tonight against Toronto? They weren't very good on Tuesday. And, well, more problems with Jordy Reyna. He was late, so he doesn't get the play. Thomas Assault in the Whitecaps net. With the save and a nice one at that. But a few minutes later, he couldn't stop this. Richie Larea. From the top of the box, that's a 1-0 lead for TFC. 
Patrick Metcalf has a chance here with the free kick, but uh, oh, we may not even get to that. All right, one nothing Toronto over Vancouver. Right, let us go to the Raptors and the Nets for game number three of their playoff series. Fred Van Vliet. Oh, count it. 22 from Van Vliet. Norman Powell goes baseline here for the dunk. Of course, the Raptors won the first two games of this series. Never in their playoff history have they gone up 3-0 on a team, but they have now. They've won the first three against Brooklyn, Toronto's baseball team. They've won five straight, now in a playoff spot in the American League because the top eight will make it this year. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., that's a solo shot to the cardboard fans, or whatever they're made out of. 2-1, Jays lead in the fourth. Bottom of the sixth, Jose Martinez. This is going to score a pair. That'll tie it 4-4 for Tampa. And at last check, they're in the ninth, still tied at 4-4. To golf, the Northern Trust Open. The first FedEx Cup playoff tournament. Scotty Scheffler, this birdie on 18 gives him a 12 under 59. Just the 11th person ever to break 60 on the PGA Tour. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford did it in 2017. Dustin Johnson has a chance to do it too. He was 9 under 27 on the front nine. Then he birdied 10. On the 11th, he rolls in another birdie, 11 under through 11 holes. Just needs one more birdie on his final seven, but he had all pars until the 18th when he had a chance here for 59, but, uh, well, I mean, 60 is good, but he would have loved to have had a 59. Uh, Tiger Woods and Canadians Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes made the cut. Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor did not make the cut. There you go. Did he just spit? What? In the highlight. Anyway, don't worry about it. Let's check in with Andrew. Well, Alfred. possibly. Yeah, for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. Cineplex theaters have opened across the country. Tonight, we'll catch up with moviegoers to get their thoughts on the safety protocols in place. And Washington State Governor Jay Inslee has sent a letter to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau suggesting residents of Point Roberts be given special permits, allowing them to drive directly to and from Washington State mainland to visit friends and family and up goods and services. We'll have more on that story when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. And Satellite Debris is coming up next. Stay with us. All week for Squire. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, actually, the first one is for a, uh, a company called SetApp, which I think is apps for your Mac. And this has to do with being afraid of snakes. But wait, I know you two are both afraid of snakes. There are no snakes in this commercial. Dennis, when I snap my fingers, you will become a snake. When I snap my fingers again, you'll return to normal, and your snake phobia will be cured. Hello? Oh, hey, Greg. Sure, no, now's the perfect time. Hey, Dennis. For a new car, the sound a flat tire makes. Uh, 
We've all been there. Got a task to do, and then you get distracted. That's why you need Setapp. Get access to a curated collection of apps for one monthly subscription so you can stay in your flow and always finish what you started. Guess he's not afraid of snakes anymore. Am I wrong? Are you guys <laughs> afraid of snakes or no? Uh, it depends on the size. All right. Mm -hmm. I don't really That's... care. Spiders, but not yeah, okay. snakes. But that guy, he's a bit odd. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid of him. Yeah, exactly. Geico commercial. This has something to do with trees. Here we go. Huh. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know that when a tree falls in the forest and no one's around, it does make a sound? Oh. Oh. Oh, boy. I'm falling. Everybody look out. Little help here? Geico. 15 minutes could save you. Well, you know. <laughs> I know you love you love when animals talk. Yeah. Trees talk. When things that don't usually talk talk. I like that. This dog in this Volkswagen commercial almost talks. He kind of talks like a car. Here we go. Shown us that one before. I have shown you that one before. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. All right. Final word on the weather, Christy. Sure. Pretty nice weekend. Certainly some cloud cover in the mix, but sunshine as well and temperatures near seasonal at 22. Oh, that looks so nice. Mm -hmm. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us.